1: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg
0: and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler and we have Dr. Kathy Greenberg as my co-host. Hi, Kathy. Hey, Relly. And we want to be able to uh, let our folks know that between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. And we're really excited today. We're going to interview David Vallette. And let me tell you a little bit about David. He is the president and CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America at the Western Regional Medical Center in Arizona, with more than 35 years of experience in healthcare. David has received the national recognition. Uh, Winning the 2004 Lewis Sullivan Award from the Work Group of for Electronic Data Interchange. Now, what that is, it recognizes individuals for their leadership, vision, and achievement in advancing the overall quality and efficiency of healthcare. David has a book called "Hospitals in Crisis: A Digital Solution," which focuses on the future of healthcare and smart organizations. And so, uh, join us today as we talk to David as he shares secrets of the leadership required to succeed in the future of, of healthcare, And, you know, Kathy and I always want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and we love to provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more. And, Kathy, welcome to the call. And you want to take us from here?
2: I sure would. Thanks a million. You know, we are very fortunate to have uh, Dave with us today. Uh, he is an exceptional leader in the healthcare industry, and I was really impressed when I met him uh, almost uh, about a year and a half ago. And um, it was just amazing because I've worked in healthcare for a very long time. And uh, when Dave shared his book uh, on digital hospitals, it <laughs> blew me away. So I thought, what better way to share his experiences uh, with our audience? But uh, obviously, before we do that, you know, we like to share with everybody. What we really love about leadership and development, and we know that leaders are truly the heartbeat of any organization, but most leaders will, well, they'll just underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and thus they and their teams can underperform. But doing just a few things differently can really improve your performance and your organization's. What you'll learn in every show that Relly and I offer you is how to develop more leaders in your organization. Of course, what happy companies know about performance, something about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies, brain and neuroscience, generation and gender differences, work-life balance practices for you and to help you manage your boss, and also management tools to help you be your best. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Raleigh, I'll turn it over back to you, and then we'll get David on.
0: Oh, great. So before we bring David on... We just like to give you a little bit of the evidence-based data. Um, we leadership development news. We always talk about leaders, and the reason is that we know leaders have fifty to seventy percent influence over the climate of their team. Like Kathy's saying, leaders are the emotional thermostat for their, their team, and that's the reason is emotions are contagious. And we also know that to try to be uh, it, a star, is someone we define in the top ten percent, typically it's. The skills of emotional t- intelligence when compared to either IQ or techno expertise. And why are we talking about getting leaders in the top 10% if you, or you can get your direct reports into the top 10%? The research shows that they're going to be twice as, produce twice as much revenue to your organization as managers in the 11th through the 89th percentile. Both Kathy and I are certified coaches, and we know that when you have training alone, it can ha- add about a 22% increase to productivity, but if you add coaching, follow-on coaching that you can bring into your organization, really in a day or so, um, it can add to productivity as much as 88%. So 88% with coaching, 22% just with training. And you can increase profit in your organizations by bringing in these coaching networks inside your organization. And studies show that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%, one of Kathy's well-researched topics. And if you want more information about Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. We encourage you to go and and sign up for that. And if you want more information about me, Dr. Rowan Adler, my website is www.true-north-leadership for some free emotional intelligence assessments and tools. And there's also... Uh, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps.
2: Really, I also want to make sure that our listeners know throughout the remainder of this year uh, that we have used several of your tools and uh, have made great reference to you in our new book, What Happy Working Mothers Know, which will be out in September. So I hope folks will not only go to your website and pick up all those great free tools that you have for emotional intelligence, but also know that When our new book comes out, they can also find some of them there.
0: And Kathy, I'm excited to hear about your new book, and I think what we'll have to do is make sure we have that uh, the focus of one of our upcoming shows.
2: That'd be great. Well, before we get off on a tangent, let's come back to today's show, which I'm really excited about. Uh, You know, Raleigh and I are very fortunate. We have been uh, extremely blessed in our lives to come across wonderful leaders and top performers, and David Vallette is among them. Uh, He is the president and the CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America at Western Regional Medical Center in Tucson, Arizona, uh, as Relly said earlier, and he is the past uh, president and CEO of the Indiana Heart Hospital, which I understand was also a fully digital heart hospital. He was also the president and CEO of CardCon, Inc., which is a consultancy specializing in healthcare development and implementation of new facilities, so it's no wonder that Cancer Treatment Centers of America, opening their new center here on the West Coast, wanted Dave to run that, open it, and I have to say he's just operating at, at maximum speed. Uh, Dave has more than 35 years of experience in healthcare. As we said, he has received national recognition and the 2004 Lewis Sullivan Award is only one of those many recognitions for his work in electronic data interchange. He... Um, He is just recognized across the board for his leadership, his vision, and his achievements in really advancing quality and efficiency in healthcare. And as we know in today's environment, without the right digital environment, we cannot help our patients and make patients the center of our focus, which is, as we know, uh, something that's putting hospitals in crisis and something that David has written about. So I want you to join us today in uh, welcoming uh, my friend, and a colleague, and someone I admire greatly, uh, so that he can share with us his secrets for what leaders will need to know to be effective in the future of healthcare. Welcome, David. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
0: David, we're so glad to have you here. And what we typically like to do is just get a little bit more background about you before we get into some of the other questions that we have uh, for you. But maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to work in the field of healthcare.
3: Thank you, Riley. I appreciate it. Actually, it started uh, in the late 60s. I was—I uh, had a cardiologist friend of mine who uh, I played racquetball with at the local YMCA, and he asked me if I would be, if I'd consider working for him part-time doing some scrub work in his cardiac catheterization lab, and that's kind of how I started my clinical career and, and how I started getting in healthcare. care. I'd really had no desires of getting into healthcare, care, but it seemed so intriguing at the time that I thought I would try it, and Consequently, after that, uh, shortly after that, I joined the Navy. Uh, spent many years in the Navy, and because of that, got choice of uh, schools that allowed me to uh, advance my my clinical expertise while I was in the Navy. And the only fail I knew was cardiac, and so I kind of picked a couple of schools that were related to cardiac, and hence that kind of started my career. And I've never been in any other career but healthcare since then. So it's been very exciting for me and, and very rewarding
2: in the long run. David, maybe you can talk to our audience a little bit about um, the kind of degrees that you have. Um, are you a medical doctor, or are you a hospital um, physician specialist? What, how, how would you describe yourself?
3: <laughs> uh, well, when you're a hospital administrator, you're kind of a jack-of-all-trades, to be honest with you. But I, I started off clinically. I had uh, I was registered as a cardiovascular technologist, as a pulmonary, pulmonary technologist, as a perfusionist, and also as a radiology technologist. And those are the schools that I got while I was in the Navy. And then consequently, uh, when I got out of the Navy, had a chance to run a fine, a fine organization and start a program from scratch in Texas and decided to go back to school and, and went back to school to get my degrees and, and eventually ended up with a Ph.D. in management. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I decided not to go the medical route, uh, but more the administrative leadership route.
2: And I just wanted our audience to hear that. Pardon me, because I think it's so important, and it's very impressive for people to understand how much influence they can have in health care without being uh, a a physician or someone who is practicing medicine, and you certainly have
0: uh
2: have taken us in that direction
0: thank you, you know David. The other interesting thing about your your past, we talk about mentoring and and networking, and so you get started playing racquetball with a cardiologist <laughs> and. <who kind laughs> Guided you into your field
3: and, and, and you know the 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 truth of the fact is, is and I think every administrator, every leader in the country would agree that the, probably the number one job that we have is relationships uh-huh. and developing building relationships and understanding those relationships and maintaining those relationships and again something is something as is, is, is kind of a, a trivial as just playing racquetball with somebody could lead to a to a yeah. career now that I have that i've had for you know now on forty years. Uh-huh.
2: Now, you, uh, you said that relationships are so critical. It's obvious that you've had some wonderful and, uh, and very supportive relationships in your life. Who's been really influential in your thinking as you've been looking past, um, you know, into these 40 years that, that you've been developing this mindset?
3: Well, you know, clearly I think that at the very beginning it was my parents who who were uh, who worked very hard, uh, both uh, two income families, worked from early in the morning to late in the evening, made made sure that us children had a lot of responsibility. Uh, we couldn't, uh, you know, we'd come home from school and I'd start potatoes and start the dinner so that the food would be on the table by the time the... Mom and dad came home. So I really did get a lot of my understanding of responsibility and accountability of what I need to do in the future uh, for my parents, and I really do appreciate both of them for that in, in the years past that they've helped me. Since then, uh, going into the military, obviously you, you you have you have a lot of people there who are great leaders who lead lead the ways. But I think as I got into education, there were two people who, over the years, I really kind of aspired uh, to to work with as well as to have an opportunity to get their influence. And that was Noel uh, Teachy, who was uh, who originated the Crotonville for General Electric, and uh, Tom Peters, who wrote In Search of Excellence. I think. Tom's early book, the first one, In Search of Excellence, really just committed me to understanding the importance of being out and seeing my staff and walking around, you know, walking by management or walking around, by being engaged with the team, by understanding of what the best companies did. And I think between Tom and then after him, uh, Noel, and still continue to this day, both of them, with Noel's book, uh, Leadership Engine, made just a huge effect on me.
2: Well, we're going to come right back. This is Leadership Development News, and don't go away. We're talking to David Vallette, President and CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Western Region Regional Medical Center.
0: Carlos, age 9.
2: An abducted child is everyone's child.
0: Jada, age 14.
2: To get free Amber Alerts on your cell phone, go to wirelessamberalerts.org. A child is calling for help. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
5: Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's Healthy People to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
1: you're listening to leadership development news profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts doctors kathy greenberg and Riley nadler we know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5790 that number again is 1-866-472-5790 now let's get back to the show
0: Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. And today the top performer we're talking to is David Villette. He's the President and CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And David, just before we left, you were telling us about some of the influential people in your life. And now we'd like to move to maybe explaining why the healthcare industry has been a leader in the digital industry and why is it so critical. Maybe just explaining uh, for our listeners who aren't familiar you know the digital industry, and how does that tie in with the healthcare?
3: Sure. And actually, you know it's it's kind of interesting, Riley, that healthcare you know is getting towards a place where it's recognizing that digital technology is beneficial, but it has lagged other industries like banking and other industries like that that have done this for twenty, thirty, forty years, and have done it very successfully. But I can tell you in healthcare that digital technology is probably the one of the greatest enablers that can ever occur. In improving quality of care, reducing medical errors, and primarily pr- improving significantly not only patient satisfaction, but staff and physician satisfaction. If you look at what's available in healthcare today as it relates to digital technology, we can essentially do away with paper. And in a paper world that we have, unfortunately in healthcare, there are so many mistakes and so many errors that occur mm-hmm. from either not being able to interpret the physician's writing or the nurse's writing or some caregiver's writing, to not being able to understand the, the, the requests for information that are being asked of as far as related to the patient's care and diagnosis. So information technology allows us the ability to improve right off the bat the ability to understand what was written and why it was taken, why it was written to improve the patient quality. And I think those are important aspects. I mean, if you can, if you can improve patient quality, uh, recently or last year, I think, and even this year, There was another report that came out from the uh, OIM, which is essentially uh, the Office of Medicine, that, that talks about how many lives have been lost because of medical errors. Well, those kind of medical errors can be eliminated when the interpretation of the information is very clear and succinct, which is what you see in an electronic record versus in a paper format. So it's really critical to do that. And then secondarily on that, when you really have that information at your fingertips, uh, for the caregivers, for the nurses, for the physicians, and for those who care for patients, when that information is available at their fingertips, the doors open wide about the things you can do and the innovations you can create to improve that quality of care, to improve those quality of issues that are dealing with the patients, and ultimately improve satisfaction both for your stake and your stakeholders, your ph- patient, your employees, which we call stakeholders, and our physicians.
0: You know, David, um, I just experienced that. I've a father who's. Uh, just about 91 and in the hospital back east. And that's and the first time I've seen it, and I think this is what you're describing, where they basically had a little computer screen in the room and the nurse could go and, and scroll through and we asked a question. She doesn't know what happened three days ago, but she could go to the doctor's name, uh, click on that, and then find out what his report was and, what, and then go back to what the medication was. I mean, especially when he had, you know, four or five different doctors in there all looking at something different it It was phenomenal, and on the side of a family member, you know I saw it as a new innovation, but it was just terrific
3: well when you think about think i mean and this is probably all of your listeners would absolutely agree. You go into a hospital, how many times you get asked, are you allergic to something right i mean if if it's not fifty, it's one, and it's just unbelievable and in the computerized system. You know, our approach is, is that before any questions are asked of the patient or the caregivers, the person who's asking the question, whether it be the physician or the stakeholder, needs to first look in the computer and see if the answer is not already there. They can always verify it, but please don't ask the same question over and over again because how dysfunctional does that make us look in healthcare when we don't even look at the information that's already provided?
2: Not only that, but I think, David, one of the things that our patients today experience more than ever before, and I know I do when I'm a patient, is the anxiety of waiting for information. Um, I know that you have had great experience with patients not only at your current facility at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, but in prior digital facilities. Can you talk a little bit about what the lowering of stress and anxiety can do for a patient?
3: Oh, absolutely. Well, everybody's immune system you know that we have every single day takes care of our body. Unfortunately, stress is one of those issues that does not allow our immune systems to work. So when your immune systems have been compromised either through stress or other methodologies, you're not going to be as healthy and you're not going to be able to take care of yourself nearly as well or fight off disease under those conditions, and that's been proven over and over again. In the cardiac world, stress is actually a very large proponent of causing heart attacks and issues of that nature. So, I mean, stress does relate a lot. And if you can do anything to improve the quality of care to a patient, eliminating the stresses is incredible. And that's, that's the innovative things that happens in the information age world. When you're allowed, when you can have patients come in where their information is already available on the computer that they don't have to, every single time they come in, give you an insurance card and answer 50 questions and do the same thing over and over again. When the nurses and the physicians have information at their fingertips to make diagnoses quickly, we in the, in the healthcare world, unfortunately, have gotten used to, or we as the consumers of healthcare have gotten used to waiting an hour, waiting two hours, waiting three hours for test results. Why? When the information is readily available at your fingertips. I don't know of any hospital in the country anymore that uses the old x-ray film and developer and all that. Everybody's gone digital. Mm-hmm. And yet the amount of time that for getting an interpretation of that test and a written report of that test has actually increased in the digital world versus decreased. And it's not because the information's not ready, it's because they're able to, be able to push off when they can see their next patient a little further so that they can see more patients in between them. So what really happens is you add stress. If you're a patient and you've been told you have stage two, stage three, stage four cancer, now we're gonna send you down the street to get an X-ray and then you come back in two weeks because that's when we'll have the report done. If you're the patient, and that's ultimately what we first have to always think about and start from is the patient's perspective. If you're the patient, how much stress is created knowing that you've been diagnosed with cancer but you're not going to hear about what the results are for three weeks? I mean, that kind of stress alone is enough to keep your immune system collapsed to the point that it will not be able to recover and you will not be able to improve the quality of your care because of the stress put on you by health care.
2: It's funny... Um... I'm thinking about my own experience, and for years I carried around those large films of mammograms. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you know, um, when we get to a certain age, it's important for us to have those on an annual basis. And my new motto is, "Move over, diamonds! (laughs) Mammograms are a girl's best friend." Because you you know, if you don't have your films with you when you go from one hospital to the next, or the next physician or the next test, you know, they find something and the world stops, you know, until they figure out what that blip is. And uh, when I was up at CTCA uh, for a meeting, I found it very encouraging that one of the docs came over to me and said, you know, we can take those. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. can copy them over to a little jump drive you can put on your keychain. (laughs) That's right. So you can take those with you. And I have to say that... um, That is the kind of love and care, uh, innovative philosophy, and ease uh, of patient stress uh, that I cannot imagine living without.
3: Well, and again, you have to understand, as we become a very mobile society and have been a very mobile society for years, people are moving a lot to different locations, and getting medical records transferred from one location to another location to another location is just a, a... Just a real task. And if you could carry your medical records with you, or more importantly, you don't even have to be able to carry them. All you have to be able to do is have a telephone number and be given an access code to have ability to look at any records you have at any facility that's digital that the physician you're visiting with, say you're from Chicago but you're visiting here in Arizona and you come into an emergency room in Arizona and maybe you've had heart disease in, in Chicago and you come into the emergency room and you're having some chest pain. Well, you can talk to your physician and say, okay, call this number. They'll give you an access code to my record, and immediately that physician here in this emergency room within a matter of moments can have access to your records in Chicago to look at what kind of disease, what things have been happening, what kind of uh, uh, care you've been given, and be able to make an initial and a quick diagnosis of what needs to be done now to take care of you. That kind of ability is just phenomenal. And it's not even just across the country. This is a kind of technology that can help care across the world as it relates to being able to be a mobile society and being able to go and travel without having to take huge amounts of your records with you.
0: You know, David, so uh, I'm understanding that uh, CTCA has this. How, how long has it been? And then maybe kind of where, where are we in, in this progression? What percent of hospitals are digital, and how long ago did uh, CTCA start?
3: Well, CTCA uh, started actually last year, kind of in a in a big bang theory. And what I mean by that is, is all of the CTCA facilities, the four facilities that we currently have, not including this one here, decided that they were going to go with an electronic health record all at once, uh, which has kind of taken the big bullet approach, um, and it worked very well. Obviously, a lot of a lot of things happening, a lot of training, a lot of education, and those things have to occur up front to make it happen. And so now the company is doing very well and catching up with everything that's going on in electronic health records over multiple sites. When we built this facility, the intent was is to build this facility from the ground up as a completely full digital facility. And this, is, this has been, fortunately, my third uh, entry into this environment, so it was a little easier for me to understand some of the things we were going to need, but certainly didn't have them all.
2: Well, this is uh, something that I want to get into when we come back. And so, uh, David, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought and I'm going to ask our listeners to just pause with us for a moment and come right back. This is Leadership Development News.
0: And the pitch. Dave just pitched a tomato, which won't work. But a healthy, vegetable-filled diet could give you energy to hit that grand slam. Run, throw, think, eat better. Can your food do that? Find out at smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
5: Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%? At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's Healthy People to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's H2Cleadership.com.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Doctors Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Absolutely.
0: A little bit more specific just for folks who maybe not be familiar you mentioned just in the last year uh, that your organization ctca went digital how does it look i mentioned i saw for the first time in the in, the, in uh, my father's room there was a screen uh, on one side of the room but maybe tell us specifically what does it look like how many computers how can they access how do doctors access it
3: absolutely you know the the interesting thing is is as we looked at building a completely all digital facility uh, here at CTCA Cancer Treatment Centers of America, we realized that like I had done before that we could be very innovative and creative of different things we could do. Uh, one to improve quality of care of the patient. Two to really make the the opportunity for the organization to be very six sigma oriented or lean oriented. And what I mean by that is not cutting staff, but making sure that everything we do we do for the right reasons at the right time for the right patients. And then third, how do we improve the quality of the the ultimate care to our stakeholders and our physicians to make sure that the information getting to the patients are done in a timely manner and being very productive at that. So when we looked at when we looked at creating this as an all digital facility, we took it a step further than our other colleagues and our other facilities by completely coming digital. And what I mean by that was we have absolutely no medical records, wow. we have no medical record charts, we have no paper charts, we have no chart racks. But because we were able to get innovative again, for example, on our nursing floors, um, there are no nursing stations on the nursing floors and if you've ever been in a hospital and seen nursing stations, they really are nothing more than a pizza and coke gathering place in order to, to push paper around. Because we have computers in every room because we have computers outside of every room for every every room in the facility, we have probably three hundred and fifty four hundred computers in this facility. Uh, currently, that only operates at around 80 beds, both inpatient and outpatient. And by doing so, we're able to make sure that the caregivers, the, the, the nurses and the physicians and the technologists are at the bedside where the patient's at. You know, interestingly, over the years, I've heard patients complain that they never get to see their nurse and I've heard nurses complain that they never can see their patients because they're busy doing stuff. Well, we're in the business of taking care of patients. So by putting computers in the rooms and outside the rooms, we've been able to decentralize the nurses to the bedside, eliminating nursing stations, which eliminates a lot of steps, a lot of time, a lot of effort, When all the information is now at the fingertips of the caregivers. You can look at this and you can continue to expand that. If a physician wants to look at an X-ray, and he happens to be on the nursing floor, but the patient he needs to look at the X-ray is down in the outpatient clinic, All he has to do is type in that patient's name on the nursing unit. He can even do it from home. We even have physicians who work between facilities who can do rounds on their patients, and that's in parentheses, quote-unquote, rounds on their patients, from the airport while they're waiting to catch their next flight so that they can have a chance to check on their patients. I mean, this kind of information is so valuable and so available that the time it takes to do things is unbelievable. We do now what we do is called point-of-care testing lab work, that within about 30 seconds of needing a test on a patient, I can have you the answers because I'm drawing the blood at the bedside in a little handheld device that immediately uploads the results into the computer within a matter of seconds. That makes a huge difference. Our radiologists, for example, we have, from the time we do an X-ray to the time we have a fine final written report, our average time for turnaround is only an hour and a half. Try to find that out in a healthcare organization, and in any part of the country that's doing this, uh, that's not doing this, and, and find out what the timelines are looking at. You're looking at usually three to four days. So the innovation that we can create in a digital world is so impressive that it's just it, it's mind boggling to believe that we're not all of us doing it just like this because of the amount of time we save. Obviously, the amount of cost we save is humongous, as well as the opportunity to improve the quality of the care, both for the patients giving the staff giving the care, as well as the patients receiving the care.
2: David, one of the things I want to make sure our audience uh, is hearing in your delightful, um, I guess, kind of conversation on the subject, because you make this so easy. I mean, you really take the 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 mystery out of how all this works in your description, but I really feel in my heart, having been a patient at many hospitals over the years, and uh, you know the, the care of my parents when they passed, uh, seeing seeing how things were done. Um, it, it, this is a miracle, but there are there are measures uh, of leadership uh, that you have taken into consideration in looking at these digital hospitals and these innovations. That, um, that typically change uh, when you go from a paper-based system to a technology-based system. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what, what kinds of measures uh, leaders in your industry now are looking at um, to help those patients and those of us who love those patients uh, do things better?
3: Well sure. There there I mean there are a lot of different measurement opportunities
2: that deal with both
3: cost, quality and customer satisfaction. Our customer for example, our customer satisfaction, which again to us is probably the most important thing to be measured, then our quality and then our, our cost, which is last. From a customer satisfaction, you have to ask the questions that are really relevant. And in a computer world, if a physician wants to if a physician or a stakeholder or anybody, if we want information in a computer world, we can have that information and we can tag it so that it has to be answered in the initial interview process. Then it's easy for us to gather that data very easily in a dozen different ways to dice it and slice it in the way we need it in order for us to understand what we're doing. And from a customer service perspective, service recovery, whether it's in retail or business or in healthcare, is very important to us. If I can have concurrent information about how satisfied my customers are, I can make changes and I can adapt quickly to what needs to be done to make sure that we take care of it. Secondarily, if I can find out immediately when they're unhappy, I can do something immediately to fix it and do some service recovery that really makes a difference. So from a standpoint of customer service, I mean, you really have to make sure that you're asking the right questions, but you've got that information at your fingertips to make quick, concurrent decisions in service recovery, and that's critically important in healthcare as well as any industry. Quality is another area. If we know right up front, for example, in our, in our electronic health record, which is called physician order entry, if a physician puts in a drug order for a patient, and it's the wrong drug or maybe the wrong dosage for that patient, or maybe the patient's got another drug that they're taking that makes the drug that the physician's ordered contraindicated, a pop-up screen pops up on the computer and says, oh, by the way, this patient's on this drug. Did you know that he was on it because it's contraindicated for what you've ordered? Immediately catches that error off the bat. Or if the physician says, no, I know he's having that, but he has to have this on board, I override it, he does same thing for the wrong dosage. So that kind of quality that right then, right at the fingertips, right at making the orders, is caught and improved and taken care of makes for a tremendous amount of improvement of quality of care to the patients that we're not doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons.
0: So, David, just to clarify that, so... Uh, so that's just uh, amazing to hear. So an error message or, or comes up in 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 red or some kind of a verification that something's amiss, either with the dosage or it's contraindicated. Yes, it's it's kind of like a pop up
3: screen on the old N T V yeah. pop up videos. Uh-huh. It, it's a little pop up screen that comes up and it says this indic- this medication is contraindicated for this patient, and then the physician has to either override it or he has to change it. So it forces him to make a decision one way or another based on that.
0: Well, what's so great about that is there's no way that they can keep all that stuff on their head of what all the medications that patients are are on. So that's huge. And I wanted to just ask you is just a, a follow-up question about not having nurses' stations. So obviously that means they're spending more time in the in the patient's room. Is that right? And, and then can they do their charting and stuff in the room? Absolutely. And Is that what they do? Then they're there, but then they're charting and doing what they normally would be doing at the nurses' station.
3: Right. And we have these we have these little alcoves, if you will, in between every two rooms, so that the nurses can work in those little alcoves if they'd like to and not be in the patient's room bothering the patient. But if they need to be, there's a computer in the room and outside the room. And all the all the charting is concurrent. And from a cost standpoint, when we were just talking about cost, think about this. It, and, and, and and if anybody's been in healthcare they'd appreciate it. And what's called the famous change of shift, which is when the nurses are ready to take over changing of shifts, usually depending on some hospitals, it's 2.30, 2 to 2.30 to about three thirty, four thirty four o'clock. Well, during that change of shift time, nurses take all the paper records and the charts, and they go back into a break room, and they start working with each other on change of shift. Well, the doctors can't find the records, the doctors can't find the charts, and so it causes them to run around the unit, sometimes making sure they leave, and the patient then does not get discharged when they should have been because the doctor couldn't find the record. But then more importantly, you have now nurses who, at change of shift, so the nurses give give their report to the nurse. That nurse then goes out and starts taking care of the patient, but the other nurse stays in the break room because now she has to write in the chart everything she did for all of her patients that day because she wasn't able to do it at the time. So now you have nurses who normally would get off at 3 o'clock, now working till 3, 4.30, 4, 4.30, just catching up on paper records, which has a tremendous amount of overtime implications. When you're able to do charting concurrently because the computer's right there at your fingertips, you can do it right at that point in time. We've essentially eliminated most all overtime. We've eliminated all overtime as it related to charting and, and only partially, you know, uh, had any issues with that.
2: Well, I know that uh, our audience is hungry for more, and we will be right back uh, with more of David Ouellette on digital hospitals. This is Leadership Development News, so don't go away.
4: you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr. Nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066
5: do you know who your kids are talking to on the internet Every day, children are sexually solicited online. Help delete online predators. Call 1-800-THE-LOST or visit Cybertipline.com. A message from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Ad Council. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and As an electrifying conference speaker, catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Companies Healthy People to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
1: You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers, with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Rilly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get
0: back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking today with David Villette the president and CEO of the Cancer Treatment Centers of America based in uh, Arizona. And, David, during the break we were talking about um, some of the questions we wanted to make sure our listeners heard. And one was about how to better persuade hospital administrators, doctors, people who may be a little leery, one, about the cost, two, about the time, and what are they going to lose in the interim of, of going digital. And uh, maybe you can speak to that and then maybe any kind of stories that will help highlight that.
3: Sure, and you know one of the interesting things we do that, uh, that is, is unique but really probably should be a common place for every industry in healthcare specifically is we don't ever start a board meeting without a patient actually coming in and telling us what we're doing right and wrong. It's, it's nice to hear all of the nice accolades but our board actually insists on knowing what's not working. And I think that's the first step in really finding out how to better organize your organization. If you if you asked a patient, and we oftentimes have, even before um, I built the, the facility here and I built the one in Indiana, we got we got patient focus groups together, and we said, look, if you had a clean sheet of paper, what would you do better? How would you change things? Or what would you like to see happen at a facility that we're going to build from the scratch up and tell us what we can do better? That same information can be used in an existing legacy hospital or whether it's a brand-new facility. If you listen to the patients and you listen to the caregivers and the physicians and the staff, they will tell you how to make your organization better. But for so long, we don't do so. And oftentimes, again, a lot of it has to do with data. How do we collect enough information to know what we're doing right and know what we're doing wrong? That's where information technology comes in. Not only can it help you improve the quality of the care, but it it can improve your efficiencies of your organization. It can improve your satisfaction of your staff and your caregivers. I would challenge any hospital administrator to tell me that he would have anywhere near staff satisfaction that I do. Because of what we've been able to provide by literally, as I say, taking the pebbles out of our nurses' shoes and allowing them to be able to do their jobs without a bunch of redundant systems or a lot of paperwork that's not necessary because of what they have to do and that's not taking care of the patient, which is what they got in the business for. So, you know, anything we can do to encourage, if you look at what we do, and you start looking logically at an ROI from a lot of healthcare facilities are saying, well, how are we ever going to pay for this? How can we ever do this? Well, my challenge to them is, how can you not? It does have an ROI. Calculate it out. It's not difficult. Look how much money you waste in paper and time and medical errors and legal costs and malpractice suits and physicians not having information and patient dissatisfaction. Look at all that cost that you could eliminate, first of all. Then second of all, encourage those who are using the systems to tell you how to improve the systems to make their lives better, and they will help you do that. And it will be more efficient, to be honest with you. You won't have a lot of people wasting money. You will have people actually helping you design something that makes their lives better, makes the patient's lives better, and at the end of the day will improve the quality and the profitability of any organization. So you really have to engage those people in that. And you will find the answers there if you wish to. If you believe that you know everything you know from your executive suite, then you're really never going to find out the truth of how you can improve the quality as well as the uh, profitability and efficiency of your organization.
2: And I just want to add one thing to that because you can hear in David's voice the passion and the succinctness with which he's able to deliver that message because it is in his heart and his soul. But I want to also say that there is an ROP, a return on people, And that is so vital, and and I know that that's in David's voice as well, because when you have a human being sitting in front of you, smiling, cheerful, in in good health, telling everyone around them what has worked, uh, that's worth more than any, any dollar value you can put on an
3: ROI. Well, it really can, and if you think about it, I mean, I'll give you an example both here and in Indiana. Um, nursing. Everybody complains about a nursing shortage. Well, I truthfully don't believe there's a nursing shortage in this country. I think there's a, a shortage of nurses wanting to work in hospitals and healthcare because we've done everything we can to run them out. I have no waiting. I have a waiting list for nurses. I have I've never hired an agency nurse in the last three positions I've had for the very reason that when you make the environment something that they want to work in. They come to you. You only have to be competitive in salaries and benefits. You don't have to be paying all these massive bonuses to try to encourage people to come to work in an environment they don't like. If they like where they work and they like who they work with, then they'll easily come to work for you for competitive advantages of of benefits and salaries, not for an amount of money, because if you're going to make me work for somebody I don't like, you're going to have to pay me well. That alone makes a huge difference in the quality of the people
0: you get. And
3: how they want to stay there?
0: You know, I know David just from working in a couple of different uh, hospital organizations. Maybe you know the uh, correlation between um, patient satisfaction and employee satisfaction.
3: Well, the, usually, if if you have unhappy staff, I can promise you, you're going to have unhappy patients. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's inevitable because the patients sense the anger or the problems in staff, oftentimes, even if though you try hard not to have them talk about it, the staff will say, oh, we're just overworked today or we're just doing, I've got too many patients to take care of. I can't see. They are directly correlated because in actual years, your, your, your patients, even though they may get really, reasonably good care, right. they know that the organization itself, the staff are very unhappy. And so they measure you accordingly because in their mindset, Obviously, this lady must not be thinking of me because she's ticked off about the pace she's working, and so her focus is not on me. It's on how come she can't get her job done better or get more help or have
0: more salary. There's almost a uh, compassion quotient, and I think you know, most of the nurses and healthcare care providers I met go into the field because of this overriding compassion, and like you're saying, it almost gets sucked out of them because what they're doing is not providing the compassion and the care, and they're doing stuff that is lower on their list of importance.
3: Oh, absolutely, and that's why they leave the field, and that's why they go to work for you know insurance companies, doctor's offices, uh, utilization review nurses. I mean, they get out of health care because they've already been treated inappropriately, and so why should they continue to put up with it? Even though they have a compassion for the patient, they now realize that the organization doesn't, so why should they?
2: Yeah. David, I want to just give our listeners an opportunity to come back and perhaps Uh, circle back with you on uh, an individual note. Is there uh, a good way for our listeners to reach you, and would that be okay?
3: Yes, that'd be great. I'd I'd be happy to to, to listen to to help anybody or to even get some advice, because obviously we don't always have all the answers, but yes, please feel free to email me. My email uh, address is david.valette that's spelled V as in Victor E-I-L-L-E-T-T-E at C as in Cat C is in Tom. C isn't cat. A is in apple. Dash. Hope. H o p e. dot com.
2: Beautiful. So that's David. at c t c a dash hope. dot
0: com. And David, I noticed your your book, Hospitals in Crisis. Can they get a hold of that also for that website? Uh, uh, not at that
3: website, but they can. It's it's available at, on if you Google or Amazon or uh, Author House is actually my publisher, Author House. Uh, I think com would have
0: it on there as and well. That's Hospitals in Crisis. Yes. Great. But so it's, uh, we, you know, um, it's,
3: it's exciting to see what can happen in healthcare. Exactly.
0: Uh, as we look to
2: the future, David, I know that many people are going to be excited about your book. Uh, they're going to want to contact you, and I know we're probably going to want to have you back.
3: I look forward to it very much. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much, David. Have a great day. This has been Leadership Development News. Signing off for now and we welcome you back on the on the next call. Thank you very much.